0: Say, thank you, Lord, for the word of God. God. Last time that I was here, what's been on my heart, actually, what's been on my heart is the eternal life teaching that I'm trying to get done, but something a little bit different is on God's heart right now, Um, and because he has been identifying it for me that we have so much teaching, we have so much information, we have so much revelation, we have so many translations, we have so many websites, we have so many preachers, we got YouTube, and we got all that stuff. It is remarkable to me that there is so much understanding about the way the kingdom operates and how to use the, the, the facilities and the mechanisms of the kingdom, I have one, thanks, that I'm, I'm, I, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, God, what are the essential personal attributes that each one of us need in order to accelerate us in the uh, acquisition or the entrance into this kingdom lifestyle, this New Testament way of living that is is, uh, explained to us in the scriptures, and I think every single one of us is in the kingdom today and serving God today because of this extraordinary life that is promised to us uh, in the kingdom of God, in the, the New Testament and the ways of the New Testament. And so I feel like as I was sort of thinking about it, I spent a number of months sort of thinking about, okay, God, what are the things that each one of us need to possess? What abilities do we need to have in order to fast track us on the internalization and then manifestation of the ways of the kingdom of God? I know that we were speaking about this, Pastor Alex is speaking about this, about the desire that each one of us have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We want to become like the master. He's our hero. He's the person that we're following. And we've gone thousands and thousands of years now since Jesus was here, but there have not been a real, uh, you know, an overflow of people that could operate on the earth the way Jesus operated. And so I feel like that we are right now in this wonderful season. I mean, it's probably the greatest season that mankind has ever seen so far, certainly in the kingdom, where religion and the things of religion, those things that have perhaps bound us for thousands of years, where we really couldn't get through to the access of what the real kingdom life is about. And so we're seeing right now that that is... The, the 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 grip of those things on our culture, for good or for bad, right now. I don't think it's good that it's we, you know basically what's going to happen over the next 20 years is that religion and religion environments, denominational environments, are going to become less and less effective in our culture. Which is, you'd say, oh, that's a wonderful thing. Well, no, it's not. Uh, that's the moral pressure that is being exerted into our world right now, because they're the people who are waking up every morning and praying. They're the people who are serving God, and they're very diligent in their religious expression. And so what has to happen right now, over the next 20 years, as the demographics of people who are used to having a relationship with God through those religious environments, As that begins to diminish, what needs to happen in the earth today is that the expression of the kingdom of God, the New Testament manifestation of the sons of God, which Bishop was talking about when he was here, that has to be taking place over the next 20 years. And I know, I've read the back of the book, so I know we win this. And so I know that there is going to be a manifestation of the sons of God. In order for there to be a manifestation of the sons of God, What are the personal attributes that I feel like over my 30 or 35 years now that I've been serving God and observing Christians and seeing what lifestyle attributes, what personal attributes really promote people to be a successful long-term manifester of the kingdom of God? What are those things? And a lot of times, you know, and I answered because the Lord asked me that question, and I, so I answered, well, they need to know how to pray, and they need to be versed in the Bible, and they need to be good worshipers. They need to get to church on Sunday. They, and he sort of remained silent. He says those are not the things. And I was kind of surprised by that. Because I would have said, you know, pray, read your Bible, go to church, fellowship with believers of life, passion. That's the necessary component. Get somebody saved, make sure they know those four things. And so he was, the Lord began to explain to me that those things aren't a means unto themselves. And this is what we've done. We, are, we, we pray to learn how to pray. We go to church to learn how to, to learn the word of God. We worship God to learn how to, how to praise him and to how to worship him. So the, the activity has become an activity unto itself rather than seeing that God wants us to pray for certain. Those are very, I'm not saying those are not scriptural things to do. They are, and they're good for you. But what we have to do is we have to understand that God wants us to worship him, not because he's bored and not because he's got an insignificance problem, which is what people think. You know, oh, I better go to church so I can worship God. He'll be lonely without me today. No, he won't. God has never had a bad day. I don't know if you know that. You sin like the worst sinner that has ever sinned on the planet. God still didn't have a bad day. You did, but he didn't. Well, you maybe didn't even today, but there is one coming tomorrow that you ain't going to like. Right. But God never has a bad day. And so what all of these things, worship and praise and go to church and, and read your Bible and pray, those are all good things. But those things are all about developing these personal attributes And those personal attributes are the things that empower us to internalize the ways of the kingdom of God in such a way that they become part of us. When they become part of us, they become part of our world. That's how this thing works. So last time that I was here, we talked about the one, that that I would say the number one thing that you must be able to do if you are going to walk close to God. And I know this because I did this absolutely wrong for 25 years and it almost destroyed me. You must know how to control your thoughts and emotions. If you can't do that, you're going to have such a terrible struggle walking with God. That's my testimony. I mean, I was quitting this thing at three times a day. And Tina's life has been terrorized by my life because I'm always, I would, literally, I went through this mad at God all the time. All the time. You think, oh, Pastor Ian, and then he asked you to start a church? He goes, yeah, I didn't understand it myself, but. (laughs) The problem was is I didn't understand that the personal attribute that was necessary that God was trying to build in me was a little bit of muscle, right? When Alex takes me to the gym, he says he got to lift those things over there. I said, I thought I was here to drink the water. He says, if you lift those things, I go, those things right there, those look heavy, he wants me to lift those things so that I can get through the resistance that builds up muscle, right? A, the, the ways of God are visible on every dimension. You understand that? He's kind of it. He's the guy. The same thing that operates in all of the things that are coming at us, you know, when, when resistance, you know, God created a world of resistance. I think I mentioned this a few months ago. I wish God would have made it so that I could sit on the couch, eat ice cream, watch Blacklist and get Ripped but that's not how God made the world. Oh. <laughs> if I want to get ripped, if I want muscles, I need to use resistance yes, to my own benefit. Do you understand? Yeah. That's exactly the same thing that when, what I did not realize is that following God, what I was mad at God for was I could come to church and say, God, I'll do anything. I'll obey you in any way that you want me to. Lord, I just want everything that you have. God says, Okay you got to lift those things right over there. And then when he'd, I'd go over there, I'd lift them. It would hurt. And then I would get mad at God. It hurt. And then I would want to quit. And so you're on this roller, this Christian roller coaster all the time simply because we don't recognize that what God needs us to be able to do, he needs us to be able to control our thoughts and emotions. You have to be able to move them. Do you know they're, own, they're imaginary? The only reason that you, if I were to come over there and spit in your face, the only reason that you would be offended at me is that you think spitting in your face is bad. Who told you that? At some places of the world, you know, you know, burping after dinner is actually a good thing. It's a compliment. And so when we are, when we have our thoughts and emotions, our thoughts and emotions are just built on our perceptions of things that have happened to us in the past. And so... What God needs us to do is he needs us to be able to stop for a moment, get on the fast track with him, and that fast track is the ability to control our thoughts and emotions. And through that process, there are some things that we can do, as I said last time we were here, that we can do to discipline ourselves in order to do that. You know, we have always thought that God wants us to do all of these things, prayer, Bible study, and all of those things, because of some mysterious purpose that God has. That, oh, I just worship God, and then some mysterious thing. I don't know what God is doing, but I guess he must be doing something. Can I tell you what God is doing? God has a secret plan. Can I tell you what God's secret plan is? God's secret plan is you. Now, you've got to take a moment here because the whole, the whole world would say, oh, you know what? You go up there on stage and Liz is, you know, spinning around and worshiping God up there. Oh, she's drawing attention to herself. Yep, good. Because we're supposed to be drawing attention, not in pride, not in selfishness, not in insignificance, but because she just loves God with all of her heart. How many of you know that that's pretty awesome that she could love God to that level? That's right. But the world would say that those things are bad because everything to do with you is bad. Can I tell you something? Everything to do with self is bad. Yeah. You, however, yes. are wonderfully created by God. Yes. I tell you, you gotta be careful. I, th- I know you gotta be careful with this. I've said this to a number of people and they always thought they were much further ahead in the curve than they actually were. <laughs> <clears throat> when you come to God, God's in a place where you've got a lot of self and what God needs to do is he needs to get that self out. Because self is built by fear, dread, and right. selfishness, Selfish. deception. Yeah. As I'm deceived by things, I have to then, if I'm vulnerable and weak and all of these kind of things, I become, it becomes necessary for me to create this creature, to fabricate a creature that makes me look strong and capable and tough and cute and all of these kind of things. And so that creature is self. And self is the one that wants to draw attention. It's got an insignificance problem. Right, right. And so every time I feel insignificant, if John comes over here makes me feel insignificant, then what I need to do is sarcastically make John go down by slicing him off at the knees, and then I somehow feel taller because John is shorter. <laughs> How many of you know that's bad math? All <laughs> happens, all happens all the time. And so what happens then is that when God has got rid of self, this wonderful spot right here where it's none of me and all of Christ... What does God want to do? God wants to leave you laying there in a ditch, preferably face down so that the world can walk on you. No, he doesn't. What he wants to do is take this person who knows who they are, why they're here, filled with faith and hope and love, and he wants to make that person an example for all the world to see. It's only the deception of the world that says, you know, that people people judge. Right? And they say, well, you know, Liz is up there with, you know, put her hands in the air, like whatever. (laughs) Instead, you gotta say, you know what? That's how beautiful that is when somebody is so free in God that they can just say, you know what, God, I just love you with all my heart. I just think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And by the way, why do you have your eyes open in worship? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let's, 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 let's move on, shall we? See, God has a secret plan. That secret plan is you. You know, the world says that you ain't never going to amount to nothing. You're never going to do anything. You're just some poor, broke, white folk that most of you white folk, you know. that you're never going to amount to anything. That's not true. God has got the secret plan. You know, when you play chess, you know the greatest, greatest move in chess It's like the third one that you make in a game of 600 moves. And you move your bishop, love the bishop, and you just put him right over there and you leave him there for the entire rest of the game. Can I tell you, that bishop is there for a reason. And I'm going to maneuver your king right into the spot where that bishop is going to say those wonderful words, Checkmate. checkmate. Can I tell you, that's what God is doing. And his secret plan is you. He's got you here, he's got you understanding things, he's got you growing, he's got you increasing in supernatural ability that's gonna enable you when the giants come knocking at your door to grab that stone off the ground and put it in your sling and just let that thing have it. But I'll tell you, if you can't control your thoughts and emotions, the devil's gonna come to the door and you're gonna say, oh, I mean, the, the, the giant's gonna come to the door and you're gonna go, giant, what can I do for you? Would you like some porridge? And you're going to invite that thing into your house, and you're going to become the defeated one just because you couldn't control the fear and the dread and the selfishness. Do you understand? So you must do this. We must get on a program where we can learn how to develop those things. Some of the things that clues that I gave you last time, I'll just, I won't repeat them because they're not in my notes. So they were like (laughs) things like, don't say everything that's on your mind. Learn how to not speak. I'm going to give you some of those because I didn't give you the scriptures. I love some of these scriptures because can I tell you something? If all we would do, like I, you know, I've had some situations in my life where I just, I was so mad I could bite a hole in my tongue. Bite my tongue off, I was so mad. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to teach myself how to not respond until the emotion had gone away and I could hear from God and I could get the answer to the situation, and once I had the answer to the situation, that with faith, hope, and love, I could, you, I could solve it. Can I tell you something? The first time I tried that, my gosh, that was hard. But you know what you find after a while? You just learn a pattern of not saying everything that you're feeling, because that's where you run into trouble, as many of you know. Here's Proverbs 12. The vexation of a fool is known at once but the prudent ignores an insult. Proverbs 29, a fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. Proverbs 25, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So what's the Bible talking about there? One of the things that we do in order to learn self-control is not to respond out of the thoughts and emotions, especially when we're able to identify that the thoughts and emotions are bad. You can do that very easily, by the way. When your thoughts and emotions are negative, they're bad. So if you're feeling sad, smile. Jump up and down for a while. Go listen to some comedian. Get happy, you can do that. Because you know sad is bad. Depressed is bad, angry is bad, jealous is bad, covetous is bad. They make you feel bad. And so we have to, rather than own those things, is one of the things, you know, if I could share with you, the, one of the most powerful things that the devil does is that we all know that our belief system, I think I've showed you this before, our belief system is what determines our emotions. And then our emo- or our thoughts, rather, I should do it here, Right, so our belief system in, is what empowers our thoughts. Then our th- thoughts are what empowers our emotions, and then our emotions controlled our words and actions, which then uh, are, produce our experiences, which then those experiences create the thoughts, and it goes around and around and around and around, and around again. Can I tell you what the, the most powerful tool in our Earth today This is my experience as a pastor working with hundreds and hundreds of people. The the, the, the number one thing that the devil has taught human beings is that your world started with your experiences. And if I could just change my outside world, everything would get in order. So watch how it would work. If my experiences were better, like if you treated me better, then my thoughts would be better. And my emotions would be better, and my actions would be better, and then you would treat me better. And then once you treat me even better than you treated me last week, my thoughts would be even better. So really, the problem here is you. Seriously. Everybody is addicted to this. Everybody has negative emotions and wants to yell at the person. I'm going through this right now. I'll tell you the truth. No, I won't. (laughs) Pastor Tina says, you need to give some life stories. I don't think she was thinking about current ones. I'm going through this right now for some reason because my schedule has just been such a blessed schedule and I'm really trying to push things away for at least a little bit of a summer this year. So every time I get in my car, I'm getting so frustrated at the knucklehead in front of me who's not going fast enough when the light turns green. Or I go to Buffalo, city of lights. I think that means the city of streetlights, by the way. And there's a street light literally on every corner. There's nobody, there's nobody even lives on these corners, but they put a street light there. And I'm getting, can you tell, can you tell I still have to deal with this and I should take my own advice from Proverbs here and just zip it? But I'm, you know what? The key is I'm recognizing every time I'm feeling like I wanna beep, I beeped on the motorcycle the other day and I beeped this guy, could you please? But listen, uh, see what I'm doing? I'm blaming my negative emotion on the guy in the car ahead of me. And that's, you, everybody does this. And if we can't stop doing it, we're never going to, I'm gonna vent on the next person that's gonna be in front of me. I hope it's not you. Yeah, sorry if it is, I'm, working, I, I'm a work in progress. What can I say? <laughs> But what's key about it is that I need to realize, wait a minute, why am I so frustrated? I'm going to live for a billion years for crying out loud. What does it matter another 10 seconds at the lights? Do you see how I've, what's, and I, can, I already know what it is. I've dealt with it before. I'm a, you know, a recovering workaholic, and so I know what the problem is. I just have to say, you know what? There's lots of time. I'm going to go slow. I'm not mad at anybody. Everything's, I, what am I doing? I have to learn how to control my thoughts and emotions. Because the problem is being created not on the outside. Right. The problem is our belief systems, which inv- invoke all of this process, and after a while, I'm be- it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Do you understand? Yes. And if we engage in that and say, wait a minute. I have a negative emotion right now based on this situation. You know, you came in, had a better shirt than me. Now all the jealousy has to be dealt with. I've got to spill my coffee on you, and all these things have to go on. But I can stop the process. I'm not going to let the words and actions lining up with my bad behavior and all of this stuff going on. And I'll realize the only reason that I'm having the bad behavior, bad thoughts and emotions, is because of this problem. I tell you... Can I tell you, 99% of the evil that goes on in the earth today is because of this problem. People refuse to look at their belief systems. And so, you know, you, you kick my dog, I'm going to kick your dog. You smash my car, I'll smash your car. You did this, I'll do that. You did this, I'll do that. I'm jealous, so I got to knock you down. I feel insignificant, so I have to make you feel worse. And all of this hatred that is going on all the time as people compete and compare and they do all of this stuff, yeah. trying to defeat... You know, people who do nothing, trying to destroy the things of people who do something. This is what ruins the world. And it's all based on people's refusal to say the problem with my negative emotions is me. And when we do that, we have this great opportunity before the Lord to say, okay, God, if it's me, dude, I don't want this. Help me with it. You know, two of the most of the best prayers in this moment One, if I'm mad at somebody else, you know what? You say this. Say, Holy Spirit, say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, show me me when I did did to someone else else what what this person just did to me. That will be a revelatory moment for you, particularly if you're struggling with unforgiveness, because you hold other people to an exact account and you give yourself a ton of mercy. And so what you do is when you allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and realize that you shouldn't be throwing quite so many stones right now, because, you know, that thing you know that, you know, the Holy Spirit knows, he remembers, he'll show you. (laughs) The other thing, you ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, Spirit. reveal to me me. the the root of this negative emotion. Now, the Holy Spirit knows that the only reason you have negative emotions is because of some experience that you misperceived before. And you can completely dis- you know, uh, disconnect the circuit by just saying, oh, wait a minute, I didn't perceive that right. That person wasn't trying to hurt me. They are just being a selfish person. They All they cared about was themselves, and so they didn't mean to me any harm. I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. So I'm not mad at them anymore. They were just dumb. And that's not bad. And I, I, I think I probably came out bad, but. <laughs> we can't hold, can I tell you, oh gosh, Alex, please, can you help me with this 44 second thing? Can I, can I share something with you? Can I, do you know why God can so, so easily forgive sinners? You think that, you know, God's mad at the, God's not mad at sinners, God can easily forgive a sinner because they did not know they were sinning. The devil deceives somebody so that they think right is wrong. And wrong is right. And they think that it is right. That's why they do it. Right? It's like sleeping around before you get married. I mean, you test drive a car, don't you, before you buy it? It makes makes sense of why you would do something like that. It's just not God's way. You didn't know. And so God says, it's okay. You didn't know. And so God can very easily forgive us. Same with other people. If you're having a forgiveness problem, you can so easily forgive people because they're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just doing the best that they can, trying to do real life is right, I guess. So forgive them. And certainly you don't harbor it yourself because your, unforgiveness creates all kinds of negative emotions. And then you can be poisoning yourself, right? It's like what they say about unforgiveness. You know, you eat, you eat the rat poison, hoping the rat will die. That's not how it works. And so when we're going in, I didn't even get to my message today. I recapped. How was a recap. the recap? The, the key to it, though, and I, I think I could recap this message every week until Jesus comes back. Until we grab on to realize... Understand the ways of the kingdom now. The, the kingdom of God is likened unto a man who sows seed, and, the, 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 and it comes up first a blade, then the air, then the full corn. And the whole concept of the New Testament, the kingdom of God, is all about the word of God getting into the heart of a human being. When the word of God gets into the heart of a human being, you become a little bit more like God. Yes. Just like when my words get in you, you become a little bit more like me. And your words get in someone else and they become a little bit more like you you see that that's how the kingdom of God is supposed to be operating it's all about getting the Word of God inside of me which makes me think and feel more like God thinks and feels because what we think and feel is all based on what we believe and so when we look at that going through the process of transformation means I have to understand how to control my thoughts and emotions because if I'm going through the process, this is Mark chapter four, if you're going through the process of transformation and you keep exploding with negative emotion through the process, shaking your fist at God and declaring openly that this doesn't work and I'm never going back there ever again, you're losing ground, you make, three, you make a step and lose two. Make a step, lose two, 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 and it's not long until you're way back here going, man, I was better off when I was a sinner all because I never learned that the key principle was I have to control my thoughts and emotions. I have to just ignore the negative stuff and stop responding to it so that that not responding is toughening me up. But can I warn you, this is not about bottling up negative emotions. You bottle up your negative emotions and you, you can create just as big a problem the way that we deal with our negative emotions is take them to God. You know, the Lord said, I think the beginning of this series, when I started it, the Lord talked to me about complaining. He says, why are you complaining to the people that are around you? And they say, well, because I want them to help me. He says, they're not gonna help you. He says, but he said, God said, I'll help you. So he says, if you have a complaint about something, take it to God. But not because some magical formula, you're going to win a lottery wheel and God's going to zap your wife for you. That's not how this is going to work. God is going to help you to deal with the reason that you're in the crisis. What what is the belief system? What is the experience? What is the the mental process that you're going through that's creating all the problem? You see, if I just complain to my wife, all I'm doing is putting more burden on my wife. If I complain to Alex, all I'm doing is creating more burden on Alex. He might divert the course of his life in order to prefer me because of the complaint that I really didn't care that much about. I was just complaining because it's become my habit. He's diverted the course of his life because of it. That's heavy responsibility. Instead of, I take that before the Lord, the Lord helps me, toughens me up, transforms me, makes me a stronger and better person, makes me more like him, makes my life more blessed. Okay, let's think which one of those was the better one. And so that's the the reason for the prayer, the reason for the go to church, the reason for the read your Bible, the reason for the communion with the Holy Spirit, the reason for meditation. The reason for all those things is that they are the, 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 the mechanism by which the resistance that is coming against me is being used to make me a stronger person, more capable to fulfill the destiny that I've been called to. Otherwise, if I just continue to complain, uh, this is how many of you have seen this in people's life? Maybe your own life Where you're just you've got a habit of complaining and all the whole world and the conspiracy and the Illuminati and the On and on and on and on it goes until you finally sit in your lazy boy. You give up in hopelessness How'd that go? instead of we do it the other way around and say, you know what, I'm gonna become a person that's gonna be uh, allowing God to strengthen me in my thoughts and emotions. I'm just gonna not let them run wild anymore. I'm gonna to begin to prune those things as much as I can so that I can let God create order in them. And as he creates order in them, he can give me assignments at higher levels, closer and closer and closer to my destiny, simply because he knows that the thing that is coming against me isn't gonna kill me because I've toughened up in my ability to control my thoughts and emotions. Does it make sense to everybody? Put your hand over your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to hold unforgiveness against anybody. And I don't want deception living in my heart. Both of those things evidenced by negative emotions, negative thoughts that are rolling through my mind. Today, Those things have become my enemy. Today, I've decided I'm going to defeat those things. No longer am I allowing negative thoughts and emotions to run rampant through my life, destroying my destiny. From this moment forward, Holy Spirit, it's me and you. Help me. Comfort me. Support me. Empower me to toughen up. In Jesus' name.